Steve, I'm gonna warn you. I am, as you can see, well, you listening to this can't can't see, but you can see Steve drinking a very dark beer today. So if things get a little sloppy towards the end of the show, you know why. <laughs> That's a fair warning. That's great. Right. It's good. It's a, it's a, I forget. It's peanuts. It's a it's a pun on peanut butter. Um, it's a peanut butter chocolate beer. It's from Idiom Brewing here in Frederick, and it is it is quite delicious. Um, anyways. This is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve, who's jealous well, because the last peanut butter chocolate I had was, no, I mean, it was orange chocolate from Ellicottville Brewing and up in what? the woods. It's not bad. It's not as bad as it sounds. That's but weird. the peanut butter chocolate sounds good, so. Ah, I love I love peanut butter beers. I, I could, you know what I was thinking about the other day? Uh-oh. I was thinking about the fact that if you're allergic to peanuts, you cannot have peanut butter beer. And, like, I just it blew my mind. Like, you, like, like. You can't have peanut butter beer, and I'm just—I, if you have a peanut allergy and you're listening to this podcast, I'm—I'm I'm very sorry for you. I really am. And really I'm hoping you're smart enough to make a decision and not drink the peanut butter beer, or, <laughs> or listen to this podcast. <laughs> All right, um, Steve, we've got a blue-white game to recap, if you want to call it that. So we're going to talk about that today. He's rolling his eyes like there was a very heavy eye roll there. Um, then I want to go on a little bit of a rant, which I went on in one tweet, basically, on Twitter today um, about the Big Ten and the Big Ten Network. And then uh, this this one, it, was, it, came to, it came to me the other night when I was watching the Lightning game, and I want to ask you about it. Uh, the announcer jinx, is that a thing? And then this week's old guy, young guy, it's a good one. I think it's a, it's a hot topic, maybe. I don't know. It's that hot, but, you know. We'll find out. All right, Steve. The blue-white game, well, I don't know if it was this weekend because I don't know if that's technically what what Saturday was, but there was a football thing where football players played football, performed football in front of some students that go to Penn State at Beaver Stadium on Saturday. Did you miss blue-white weekend? Because I did. Like, I missed – I missed that feeling. Like, there's a different feeling about Blue Light Weekend than there is maybe a, a no, normal weekend. Yeah, I, I missed the weekend. I mean, not – we had other things we ended up doing, but I missed it. We When we first moved to State College almost 20 years ago, Blue White Weekend was, was also birthday weekend for the Samsel daughters because they're, they're, they're born in March and April, and we would make them wait to share their birthday celebration on Blue White Weekend when people were coming into town anyway. Look at that. That's so, smart. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought it hit me, not like some big revelation, but what, five years ago, if that, Penn State was able to tout that it was the largest attended spring game of like any Division One school, or it was the top three in attendance of a Division One spring game, and this year, it's a practice that the freshmen can come to, and oops, we, we forgot seniors, so now that the schedule's changed, we're going to have the seniors next week, too. Like, it, I missed the pageantry of it. I never was a real big fan of the whole carnival aspect. I liked that young families could get in and see it for the first time. The carnival thing always was like, felt county fairish to me and I thought we were better than that. Um, but yeah, I missed the weekend, the camaraderie, the hanging out with people. The, the, it was decent weather. It wasn't great, but it would have worked. So, uh, there's a couple things there. First off, at least from my very young recollection, growing up, which I would have grown up at the same time as your daughter's, 
I remember Blue White Weekend like not being it. Like it was a thing. Like in in true Penn State, like true diehards really went to it, and like my mom took me to it. But like it was not a thing thing with the carnival and with everything else until like relatively recently. Right. And I don't. I, there was one Blue White Weekend. So there's there's two things that I remember. One, you used to be able to walk truly on the field, and when I say on the field. You used to be able to literally just walk around and players would be standing all over the place on the field and not in little cordoned off areas um, and get autographs. So I remember that. And number two, like, I, there used to be, like, no one at these, like, at no one there. Like, it, it wasn't a thing. And I don't know. There was that. I just wanted to bring that up before we kind of, to kind of set the scene of it's weird to think, like, back then, like, people didn't come to Blue White and it wasn't what it was back then. And this weekend, like, yeah, I kind of missed it. Like, it was like, oh, I know it's about that time of the year you kind of get that itch of, like, yeah, not that the game really ever matters or anything like that. Um, but it, it was it, it just kind of – it's always a nice point in the year to see people that you only really get to see in the fall and things like that. And so it, it sucked. Um, so let's let's talk about the fan aspect of it first. So as you mentioned, freshmen, only freshmen were allowed in, basically, minus, like, the band, cheerleaders, lionettes, those types of groups. I don't know. It It still doesn't make sense to me that the second largest stadium in the Western Hemisphere, not just in the country, in the Western Hemisphere, can't fit, I don't know, 15,000 people, 15,000 students. And, okay, like, the other thing is, like, how many... I would love to know what the, like, if, say, there's, what, 40,000 students at Penn State, so that's 10,000 freshmen, right? Mm -hmm. Wonder what percentage actually went to to that game. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been that high, and I I don't know. Like, either do it or don't do it. You know what I'm saying? And now they're trying, like you said, they're just trying to make up for it awkwardly with this this Friday night final practice. Oh, we reworked the, the calendar. I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily buy that, but it, it just felt weird. It felt inauthentic. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good word. I mean, I there was plenty of time, and the numbers were in their space where the attendance wasn't going to be an issue in terms of, of how many people were there. Now, maybe it's a a cost thing. Maybe it's hey, we don't want to open up several areas of the stadium or more of the stadium and have to clean it. Okay, then go ahead and say that, right? But, but if you, I unless I maybe making this up in my head but the pictures that i saw like the people were around the whole lower bowl right. like what what difference does it make if you open up the east and west uppers or the the end zone uppers like what difference does that how like how much like it isn't and correct me if i'm wrong you might know this better than me but like the people that work the concession stands they basically they don't get paid per se like it's more so like for if you have a group or like the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club and, and things like that. Right. That was the that was the model. Now, I'm not close enough to it in the past few years to know if they're still doing that. But that, I mean, I think that's still the model, right? Like they get the groups to work it so you don't have to worry about those people. Yeah. And it's always easy to, to again, I'm trying not Hold to. Hold on, you cut out there for a second. It's always easy and I'm trying not to go on, go on the rant and, and be Mr. Negative Athletics guy. But goodness, there were 7,000 people in a place that seats 107,000. 
it seems like you could have got the students in, both classes of them, or God forbid, all of them if you wanted to, um, or all that were interested, and you wouldn't have had the slight PR problem that they have, um, and it, that they're sort of solving. Um, I don't know, and it just feels different. I, I guess I kind of was snarky when I texted you about this idea. You know, Alabama and Ohio State are playing games. What does that make us? Not elite? Like, it just, it, there's a piece of it. When I was in high school and maybe early college, they divvied up sides for the blue-white game. Like, the assistant coaches picked teams, and it was a game. Yeah. And, and that was, I appreciate why it's changed and player safety and whatever else. But it was just different. And I guess we're 30 years removed. But it just feels anticlimactic, not special, and eh, okay. Yeah, um... It's just weird. It it just doesn't make sense. It, I could understand if 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 Penn State was Northwestern, and and Ryan Field holds what Ryan Field holds versus what Beaver State. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, and I said all through last year, prior to the season starting, that if you're gonna have if you're gonna have fans, that's fine. But I am one hundred percent gladly giving my ticket up to a. Um, to a student so that he can get in there because you've got four years to four or five or depending on some people, six or, <laughs> you know, um, there was, there was one Nittanyville camper slash Paternoville camper that my freshman year, he was, he had camped in 2005 at the, at the Ohio state game. <laughs> and basically he had just gotten so many different degrees. He had stuck around Penn state until 2012. Anyways, I, I, like I, those kids that you deserve that. Like I will gladly give any time. I would gladly give my ticket to a student any day of the week. And I just, I don't know. I feel like to play devil's advocate of it, how many students actually go into the game during a true blue white weekend? Which is fair. I was probably in the very mi- few minority that actually went into the game, stayed for the whole game, watched the whole game. I don't know. I just, I still think everybody should have got the opportunity, and then you wouldn't have had the headache that you're having now. And what was what was most entertaining is we we had a, a family member come for a campus visit, a potential freshman, and we drove by the stadium. We got off at Park Avenue, off of 99. Just went, and it was probably almost noon. We were doing that, right? So the the, the practice started at one, but the kids, the students were going in, and it was weird. It was funny to watch the freshmen. Um, you know, the girls with crop tops, right? Like, because that's what, what you wear to a Penn State football game. So it was game. just like a normal day? Like a normal it was, it Saturday? Was like a normal Saturday that's for funny. those several hundred kids that we passed. And, and, you know, my wife pointed out first, she's like, okay, so we've got game day attire. We've got we got high-waisted jeans and crop top white t-shirts. And, and that's what it was, right? And then slobby guys, slobby guys, like walking down the street. So it was, it was interesting. I mean, they were into it, like, which was great for them. And I do feel for the seniors... And I don't think the Friday's the right makeup. Send them into the thing. I don't know. I mean, I and rework the schedule. I don't know if they had problems and they had to rework the schedule and they just never told anybody and it just fell later. Like, there's just so many unknowns. And and, and I feel like we're the fans are being not are not being served by the media that cover that cover the team to to know this stuff. I know it's mundane little stuff, but it's what you do. Like, it's your job to to know this information and share it. And it just there's no answers. That's fair. That's a good point. Uh, sometimes, you know, there are people in the Penn State media that I respect and very close with and friends with. 
sometimes they could put a little more pressure pressure you know to on on certain people i think it i think it's warranted um one thing that i did want to also get into is you mentioned that the the iterations of the blue white game over the year like i don't know does that is it feel novel like i don't know if that's the right word does it feel cheesy to even have a blue white game anymore like what because it's not really a game anymore like i don't know to me like the 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 best iteration of it i think was the the first bill o'brien blue white game the second maybe the second blue bill o'brien blue white game where he did the unique scoring and it was like you got like 30 points for this thing doing this thing and that thing like that was fun because that's like a little like college football like mini game video video mini mini game type thing I don't know. It was just weird. Like it felt like that the the, uh, the way the press release was, release was worded and, and just ever, like people like call it what it is. I guess this week, last weekend, and what it, it it is Saturday or this coming Friday rather. Like just don't be don't be weird about it. We all know we're not stupid. You're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. Yeah, and I'm okay with the change from it being a game game thirty years ago to a, a marketing and engagement experience that's modeled around some something happened on the field. You know, I, I think that's that's great. Um, I think that's outreach, and I think people appreciate, will even appreciate the cheesiness of it, of, you know, we're getting to see some access, we're at least getting to see him play, um, or at least, you know, in some sort of a scrimmage, or maybe it's a skills contest. Who knows? Like, people would, would literally buy that, um, and it, it's a good outreach experience. I mean, that was always the thing. The blue-white game was free. And it was a way for people that didn't have season tickets to get experience to it and build some connection with younger fans. And I think that all all makes sense. Um, so I do think it has value that way. Um, and I hope they find a way to make it work that way. I know it's a pain for the staff sometimes and get ready for you know a game or do, maybe it feels like something. But figure out what how it can work for you on the on the field piece of it and let the marketing people make it an experience that people can come and enjoy the day. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I agree with you. Because it's just, I don't know. It, I do think like some of my, I don't want to say my favorite Penn State memories, but some of very good memories of just like growing, regardless of when I was at school and when it wasn't in school, like Blue White Weekend is kind of close to that. Like I think that was, and I think that is a very, the other thing that I do think about, and I know I'm sitting here griping about the, about the fact that people didn't get into the game and it, it's, it's truly not me griping about the fact that I didn't get into the game. I do think Penn State or Penn Staters do need to remember that they're fortunate that they don't have to pay to get in. I know other schools like they do have to pay. Now, I will say, if I was Thon, I would be pressuring the the football department. Hey, two dollars a ticket. If you had two dollars for from the sixty thousand people on a normal year that come in, and then that money go to Thon, people would would just hand over money left and right like they do. No, they like hand I, over twenties. Some yeah, of them. I mean, like, just right. Yeah. So I think I think that's something to think about. Um, but uh, the other thing that that fired me up, and I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense. Is and I think this might get into a larger issue, and I hope you're prepared to. We're, we're discussing this topic for a decent chunk of the show today. Um, the fact that there was no stream, there was no Facebook Live. There was a Facebook Live, but there was no Facebook Live of the game. There was a radio call. 
what is this 1970 like it just it didn't make sense to me it just doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense for so many different reasons and i just don't understand it and i know james franklin is notoriously weird about like footage at practice and like photos at practice like i've there i've been to like two james franklin practices in my life and at both of them, like, you can't have your phone out, really. And, like, you, if you, like, look like you're looking at your phone, like, you might, like, get in trouble type thing. So just don't have your phone out. And, like, they want to, like, sometimes, like, I've seen people have their phones looked at by staff members from Penn State football just to make sure that they're played. Like, they're not mm-hmm. going to give away the play. It's so dumb. It's so stupid because – Anybody can just watch film and just see it. And, but at the same time, like, much like last year, they did a beautiful job last year of, during, like, the initial pandemic, when the pandemic had started, kind of getting people together. I, I would have tuned in. I would have watched. I'm not going to, no offense to Jack Ham and Steve, I'm not going to, not you, Steve, the other Steve, I, I'm not going to listen to the radio call of, of the blue-white game. I want to actually see what's happening because – I know that there's going to be other fun things that might happen during that, and I know there might be other interesting things that happen during that. It's just so dumb to me. Yeah, I think it, I and I don't know, right? So here it's great, but who cares that we're speculating? I think it's part. I think there was a piece of paranoia to it, and I'm not entirely sure where the Big Ten rights lie with this stuff. Like, I think the Big Ten owns the rights to something that's broadcast. Period. So if they don't have a place for it, and we're not interested in doing it. Somebody might have said, okay, then you can't do it anywhere else. Like, if you're not going to do it on the Big Ten Network, then you can't stream it yourself or whatever else because it's our content. Um, so I think that was probably part of it, along with the paranoia. Um, and I, I mean, my exposure to the, to the blue-white game, pre-high school and, you know, radio times, was there'd be a radio call, right? And I'd hear pieces. Or people would come from our hometown and go to the game and, and come back and talk about this player. Oh, my gosh. You should have seen this player, right? He's going to be great, right? So it had kind of like this mythic piece mm-hmm. to it because you couldn't see him. But yeah, we're at a time now where even if there would have been ancillary content, even if it would have been... But I, I'm not sure that... There's a part of me that thinks they would have done it if they could have done it, like interviews from the field and stuff like that that wasn't exactly the game action. But I think it's both it's the rights so and the weird. paranoia. You know, and people just... And, it, and it's I got... One, two, two different texts from two different people who when Ohio State and Alabama's games were on were like, admittedly, just a tad jealous. Why can't we have this, right, kind of stuff? And it, you know, I don't I even care it. if the I don't even care if the game's live. Like, there have been other years where the game hasn't been shown live yeah. on BTN. Yeah. And, like, fortunately, like, those were years that I was actually at the game, so I didn't watch. But I gladly, like, I don't understand that. Like, this is what I don't understand about a lot of things. And maybe I'm just dumb and naive. But, like, the, the, this is such a beautiful opportunity for College of Comm students to get in there and, and truly get their hands dirty and take and record a game and shoot a game and try different things with the game, and much like they do with Thon. And that isn't a knock at the College of Comm. That's just a knock at kind of Penn State Athletics or Big Ten or Big Ten Network or someone. It's just a missed opportunity there, and I, I, I don't know. For, for a program that's become so about, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this, not so about image, because that's not, but so about c- 
connecting to the fans and, and showing to the fans like what they're all about now just absolutely missed the boat here. Just but I don't, I don't know that they care. I think they still think they connected in the way they wanted to connect. Here's the video of Jack Ham giving the kid his scholarship after the game. Here's, here's the news conference. We had 100,000 people view our content over these platforms. They're going to promote that and call it a victory. But I do think you're right. I think the fans would rather see, you know, something on the field. I, uh, I don't know. Um, all right. I, I, I didn't put this on the rundown, but I want to ask about it, and then we'll, we'll move on our topic. Um, what's your favorite blue-white game memory? And it has to be, it has to be in the game. I've got, I've got two. Jeez, Darian, when we first moved here, I didn't even go into the games when we came back with the kids because there was a birthday party going on. <laughs> um, you got to have one. Do I? Do you even have one? Um, yeah, so probably in college, there was a kid from Belfont um, who came to Penn State on scholarship as a quarterback. And I had gone to Penn State football camp and caught passes from him at camp, and he got to play in the blue-white game. So there probably seeing him get on the field That's cool. and play was kind of cool. All right, here are mine. Number one, do you, and I, I think it was Paul Jones was the quarterback. Yeah, I think it was Paul Jones. It was Bill O'Brien's first game, and like blue-white game. And that was like after the, the Bolden-McGloin controversy mm-hmm. year, and I think Bolden was already gone, and it was McGloin and, they, and then and, and Bolden. Or and McGloin and, and at the time Paul Jones – and long story story short, like McGloin might have thrown a pick or something like that. And Paul Jones comes in and the crowd just erupts like he's gonna be the savior <laughs> of Penn State football. And what does he do two years later? Transfers to Robert Morris. So that one was my favorite favorite. My second favorite is is by far well, actually this probably is my favorite. The Cole Cipielli game where Cole Cipielli went for like 600 yards and like 40 touchdowns and that like i tend to exaggerate that story but what was funny about it was that following season anna and i go to illinois and we happened to park in this one parking lot for the gate for the game it was a game they lost out there like after thanksgiving break and we we're, there's these two just like central pa dudes standing there and I'm not going to ask what that means. Keep going before you get in just, trouble. Just like, you know, like mountain men. Like, just kind of. <laughs> just keep going. I'm sorry. I just loaded you up. Keep going. You know, we're going to get in trouble. But they are standing there, and they've got 33 jerseys on. And I'm like going through my head, and I'm like, the only 33 I can think about is Cole Cipielli. It turns out they were Cole Cipielli's dad and uncle, and they were the nicest guys ever. So, See, you know you what? Go. Hopefully they, they listen. No, my favorite, you reminded me of my favorite memory, which I actually didn't see, but I heard about later. There was a guy who worked for Penn State Athletics who was on the field with with OB during his first or second game, and they were waiting for the game to start on TV. So he was out there because the coach was on the field, and they're waiting and waiting. And and Bill comes over and reads this guy the riot act, and wearing up, why haven't we haven't started yet? What's going on? What's the holdup? Why can't we get started? Jeez, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, coach. Like, we're waiting for TV. It's like, duh, duh, duh. like it was just, I, I, and I, when I heard the story afterward, that's I'm like, great. yes, that, that would have been OB. That's great. That, yeah, that checks out. That checks out. All right. That was all. I, I figured we could spend a decent chunk of time on that. So I guess, like, like you said, we said the, the seniors on Friday are getting a game. So 
happy for them. I truly actually am happy for them. I hope that didn't come off sarcastically. Um, hey, I, I want to go on a rant today. So today, right now probably, uh, yeah, right now, I don't know if they're winning, um, but Penn State men's volleyball is taking on St. Francis. And something that caught my eye about that game, other than the fact that I pay attention to Penn State men's volleyball because Mark Pavlik is an amazing human being, um, is the fact that you could stream that game free on the Big Ten Network Plus. Now, for you, you out there that don't know what Big Ten Network Plus is, Big Ten Network Plus is basically the streaming platform for every Penn State game that is not a football game and usually usually a men's basketball game um and usually you have to pay like an absurd fee to watch anything on big 10 network plus and i have a couple gripes with that number one you shouldn't have to pay any fee to watch literally any sport other than football or basketball on big 10 plus like and this isn't me who cares about men's volleyball who cares about whatever sport it is this is me saying this is a way you can get exposure to these sports and people to care about these sports more i guarantee you i would sit and watch penn state baseball games i would sit and watch penn state lacrosse games i wouldn't miss a hockey game i wouldn't miss any big 10 hockey game if if those types of sports were free on btn plus it's app makes absolutely no sense number two not to knock anybody, the quality isn't that great. And what they're charging, which is north of like $100 a season for for quality, again, not to knock anyone, just not doesn't make sense. Like it, it, it costs more for me to watch the Tampa, or more for me to watch Penn State Athletics do some random sport than it does for me to watch the Tampa Bay Lightning play ice hockey professionally at the NHL level with a high-quality local regional television outlet broadcast coming through. Also, once again, going back to what I said in the blue-white game, this is a great way, and it, it still is, and it serves as a great way for kids in the College of Com and kids that are interested in broadcast journalism to get their chops in and get their licks in. Let's see, like, like if, if I was a broadcast journalism student, I'm sure I would want my mom or my dad or whoever tuning into my broadcast to check out those games. Like, just make them free. It's not hard. I don't know. It, it just fired me up. Like, it's so stupid that you have to pay all this money. And then on top of the fact that I have to basically pay more money on my cable to get BTN is what makes it even more ridiculous. Like, if I pay for BTN, I should get BTN+. Plus. I don't care about the plus. I understand that the plus is there for a reason, but I, I just just give me it for free. You are not wrong. You are right on everything you said. It's not, nobody is picking up BTN Plus. No, anybody that picks up BTN Plus is picking up for these other sports. But they're not picking up to a level where it makes any kind of monetary difference for the network or whatever else to fleece yes. these people and do whatever it is. Yes. Give it away free. Charge them for the basketball games that are out of market or however else you want to do that. But those other sports should be free. Like the Big Ten Network is making enough money and these departments are making enough money, and students, whether it's Penn State or everywhere, or anywhere else, will produce them and give you eh, good enough content so you can see what your team did if you're interested. But man, I love Pav, and I would love to know what they're doing. But and, and, and pick it, pick the sport and the coach here at the university. I'm interested, but I'm not interested at more than a hundred dollars a year. Like I, I care, 
but unfortunately, God bless you, not not that much. And, and it, it's just it's a it's a penny wise, pound foolish approach by the Big Ten Network for this kind of stuff. There's a couple problems with it. Number one, they make so much freaking money off of their basketball and their their football contract through ESPN or Fox. Like it, like even if even if there's like a thousand people, which I would be willing to bet that that's probably close to the number of people that pay for some of like like Northwestern, for example. Like, how much revenue is that actually bringing in? Well, I guess I could sit here and tell you because it's a thousand dollars or a thousand people times seventy nine ninety five a year for an annual pass per school. I mean, this is stupid. It's just like it's so stupid. It, it's dumb. I already pay what I pay to to. It's just, ugh, I'm fired up about this. Like, there's a sport pass. Let's see. Like, and th- this is what, this one irks me. I've looked into this. So hockey is $59 a year, but lacrosse, only $49 a year. And you, th- now you get both men's and women's there, though. But then there's monthly passes for an annual pass for everything. It's $120 a year. It should not cost $120 a year to watch some Penn State baseball games and some Penn State whatever games. Right. And and I know the other sports try to put, even at the, at the college levels, right, like when they would charge admission at Penn State for lacrosse in recent years and things that used to be free, they're trying to put some value on that for their programs and make it worth something so it's not free, so, so they're not associated with, well, it's not worth anything, it doesn't cost me anything, so it's not worth anything. And that's not the case in this instance. It just it just seems like it's more work. And I guess once you set up the, the, the rights, not the rights, the, the, the logic for the website or however it's going to work, it's easy to click and know what you're getting, but it just seems like it's a pain in the rear end to set all that up. If you get Big Ten Network, you get access to Big Ten BTN Plus, and this is what you get. Like it just seems there 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 can't be that much ancillary and additional revenue from the Plus approach that it that it makes sense, and it just seems like opening the floodgates to people to get to it and maybe trying to make money on the advertiser side might make more make more more sense. I, that was what I was going to bring up. That was the other the last point I was going to bring up about this is that. There's so much more money to be had from again. It again, it's not like this is the Sun Belt Conference, and not to knock anybody with a degree from a Sun Belt <laughs> University, but there are some of the best, the the absolute best universities in the world, not just the country here, uh, and some of the best marketing minds and some of the best media minds in the country. You've got Northwestern, Penn State, Michigan, right in the conference, and. They can like the people are smart enough. There are tech departments that are smart enough to find ways to let McClanahan's run some ads there, let Family Clothesline run some ads there, and you still make a crap ton of revenue without have me having to pay a hundred and twenty dollars a year to watch whatever I want to watch. Like, if that, what if those smart people did all that and this is the right approach and we're wrong? Like what? I mean, that's. I, I, I'm right, Steve. I'm right. Damn it. I'd be shocked. To be fair, I mean, I'm just playing devil's. I'd be shocked because I no. just think. I, yeah, I don't know. It'd just be I so just, much easier to open it up and say, "Here you go." I, I I think going back to what you said and what I've said, if you get Big Ten Network on your cable or streaming, you, you, you Steve, you use YouTube YouTube TV, um, then. Like you should get it for free. It's just it's, it's like with the NHL. So what I pay for the NHL network, or I'm sorry, what I pay for, um, NHL.tv, 
there's no streaming service for NHL Network, basically. It should be included in that NHL.TV, which is what I pay to watch the Lightning games. Like, it should be included in that because it just makes sense. It's, it's dumb. MLB, I think that's how the MLB get, is. I think people just get tired of getting nickeled and dimed, too, right? Like, here it is. Let me in, and, and we're good to go Yeah, and, and go from there. Sorry, I had to take a sip of beer. Um, okay. All right, that's all. I, I was very fired up about that. Like, so fired up that I sent it's one good tweet. Good stuff. Um, all right, so the other night, Steve, I was watching. It would have been Saturday night. I was watching the, the Lightning game, and they were playing the Florida Panthers, and the Lightning took a penalty or on the penalty kill, and Dave Randorf, who has done an excellent job as their new play-by-play announcer, says that the Lightning are have been perfect on their penalty kill in the last X amount of, of tries. And I was like, way to jinx it, Dave. And then about 30 seconds later, what happens? The Florida Panthers score. And this this has kind of been percolating in my, my big, thick skull of mine lately. Is the announcer jinx a thing, or is it just a made-up thing? Or why are we discussing it's a thing. It's a, it's not, it's not statistically as solid as people think it is. But you know, you hear sometimes what you want to hear, and, and stuff plays. Look, if somebody hasn't made a missed a field goal on fifty four tries, the odds probably are better that fifty fifth time that he might miss, right? And if the guy points it out, <laughs> like you know, then he's gonna then you say, oh, he jinxed it. Um, and and they in those sports it happens like in baseball they don't talk about that stuff right I mean realistically like shutouts and perfect game or no hitters that kind of stuff it just doesn't come up so it doesn't happen there because it's part of the the unwritten rules well the, maybe even the written rules of broadcasting that sport that that was the other thing I was going to bring up there's been two no hitters Joe Musgrove and some dude from the White White Sox that I forget his name and that game went to uh, went to almost went to a perfect game and he hit a he hit the guy on the foot and it was just a terrible way to lose a perfect game um and long story short like i was watching that game they never said perfect game they did bring up 27 up 27 down but i like i actually enjoy that as a fan so because like I, I don't know i'm a very superstitious person so i don't want you to mess it up like i don't want your voodoo to mess it up so right. like, and, I, and i think they i think there's an artful way to do that i think again no, fans aren't watching games and don't know what's happening, right? So it's just as easy to say, "Here comes Smith. He's had a hit in his last ten games, right?" Or you know, and and not go overboard just to point it out. Or, and I've seen it those kind of things where announcers will say, "Well, you see the stats there on the screen. We're not going to mention them, but you can see that he's been very consistent, or something like that, right?" And and I think that's kind of an artful solution, but at the same time. I think it's real to the level that we think it's real and them saying it, nobody on the field heard them and said, Oh yeah, I'm going to shank this kick right now. Thanks for pointing that out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, so. Obviously that's never what happens. Right. But, now last yeah. year in those small arenas with nobody. That's there, true. Yeah. Coming? That's a good point. That's a good point. I was just, I don't know that that one's been like, like hockey people are very particular about like shutout. Like they will not say he's got a shutout going. It's, he hasn't allowed a goal yet in this game. Like, anything like that like that that's what they'll they'll try to phrase it that way without saying the word shut out and i don't know that it, it's just yep no i think uh, that's okay all right I, I just wanted to make sure that it's still a thing 
I definitely think it's a thing. I think it's a thing. I think the one that I was thinking about was was uh, when you said the football example was, was I think it was Justin Tucker, and mm-hmm. Nance Nance jinxed either Nance or Michaels jinxed them in the yeah. last like last season, and it was it was a pretty big miss that he missed the field goal. Um, it might have been that. No, it would have been that. It wasn't a Steelers game, but as a Steelers, I, I do remember seeing him miss, and I think I do remember that instance. And I do think, God, it would have been nice to have him against the Steelers sometime because when he trots on the field, it's always like, yeah, oh, it's man. Always, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. All right, this week's old guy, young guy is brought to you by Steve. Steve, go ahead. Uh, it's actually brought to you by my wife Susan because I'm like, I need a topic for old guy, young guy, and she's like, Well, we were talking about this in our office today. What about cursive writing? And and, and it hit me. She's right. Like, so I write letters to my daughters, not every week. In college, it was probably like every other week. Like, I'd write them a note so they'd get wow, mail. Wow, that is, that is, you are such a good Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. But, like, so I'd send them so they'd, get, so they'd get mail, right, so they'd have something. And it was always pretty much the same theme. You know, study, stay healthy, you know, eat well, stay out of trouble, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I started, nobody ever complained, but I started writing in cursive when I first did it. And I'm like... Then I'd look at it, and after I send them, or before I send them, I'm like, well, shit, I hope they can read that. Like, I, I don't know. And I think I've been printing. Well, I know I've been printing for the past couple years when I'm doing it. And I'm, so I'm curious, like, do you, do you, is cursive writing a thing in your world? I have not written anything in cursive, like, other than my name, probably since high school. Okay. Probably like since I was like that was the last time I was legitimately forced to do it. But you were taught so, in high school, like you guys were taught cursive writing in elementary. We were or taught. Not, right? in, Still, I was taught in third grade. Was when we were taught, um, yeah. and like certain essays or letter, like certain things you did, certain classes, like it was usually English class, you had to do it. Yeah. But I don't know. Like it, I I think it's dumb. I really do. Like I think there's. Not to be one of those people, but I do think there's better uses of our time as an, in an education system. Um, wow, that got weirdly political. But as I pick up this pen here, um, does your when you sign your name, does it look like Steve Samsel or does it just look like depends depends on what I'm signing it for. Like if I'm signing for like a letter for a kid for reference, it looks like Steve Samsel, right? Or if I'm signing it for like if, if we bought something, like when we, you know, we first bought houses and things, right? Like when you had to sign like 50 times those pieces of paper, it became like autograph practice. Like as long as they could see like the first letter and the last le- first letter, the first name and the first letter, the last name, they could know it was you. Um, so it depends on the audience, but more often than not, it's probably swoove. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially as like these whole, the truly the touch, like the touch screen signings. Oh, yeah, like yeah. if you go to a food truck or a brewery nowadays, yeah. they've got the the square kiosks and they spin them around. Yep. And I I just I kind of do a, a quick D. Usually it end up because the way the touch screen is calibrated, it looks like looking like a B or something. Yep. And then it's just like a little line and then a space. And I never understood that. Like I never. My dad always did that. I never really understood that why people do that. Now as I get older, I'm like, yeah, this is a complete like waste of time. Like if I go to Wise. And I check out like, and they and I have to sign, like, are they? Is my credit card company really going to question whether I'm buying forty dollars worth of food because right. of my signature? Like, who cares? Like, you know what? If somebody steals my card and they buy forty dollars worth of food, you probably need the forty dollars worth of food. So go <laughs> ahead and take it. Like, but they do. Like, I don't know if our bank, 
we, there used to be signature cards. Like when you started an account, right? You, yeah. You signed and they had the signature card. And we just haven't had to like match them up anytime soon. But yeah, like at the food trucks or whatever else, like as long as I got an S. And even like if we're doing initials for paperwork, I just use my first name. Like I'll just write Steve and it looks like Svu. And that's where my initials are. Like if it's sign and date, like that's my initial thing. And nobody's ever called me really on that. I do know that this is a bigger problem for married women than it is for married men. And here's why, especially recently married women. My wife still has her her maiden name on a couple of her cards. And we've gone places and they've been like, "Are you, can I just, can I see, like, she'll sign Anna Summers and not Anna Unger. And she's mm-hmm. like, can I just see your card? Or do you have an ID to prove like hey this is me yeah. and they're usually good about it just to make sure which I, you know, I guess I trust them a little bit as a business but I do know that's a bigger problem but like I don't know I have not truly written anything in cursive in years I I think I could get through the alphabet in lowercase I don't know about the uppercase alphabet because I know that's a little bit different mm-hmm. um, well I don't my, use it I use it on note taking like if I'm taking notes if I, when I was reporting something I'll sometimes write notes in cursive, and then I'm screwed because I can't go back and read it. Like yeah. I'll be like, "Oh shit, what I, I, write. I just didn't make that legible enough." Um, the one thing that, and I don't, both of my parents, I think, still do this, and I don't know if you do it, and I don't know if it's a your generation thing or or just plot product of the Blair County School District Society's ways of teaching. My mom will. Like she'll write and she'll write in all caps, but like the letters that aren't supposed to be capitalized are not capitalized. If that makes sense, like like if she was writing, be smaller. If she was writing your name, if she was writing Steve, she would capitalize every letter, but the the T E V E would be smaller, like yeah. it would be shorter. And I've uh, like I don't know I've never seen anybody else really do that and i just oh, i think I, well i, I think that's like a your thing or what no i mean i guess i'm trying to think if the girls first letters of their names on their, on their envelopes when i send them stuff are bigger maybe slightly but not a lot so but that doesn't seem weird to me like just just that's just another way to do it i guess i can't i truly cannot think of the last time i used cursive writing like at the, away from school or yeah, that do, that doesn't. I mean, I don't know that I use it much. Otherwise, I mean, I, and again, I think I'm printing my notes now, or my notes to them. Every once in a while, I'll slip into like a like there might be a word that starts a sentence cursive, and I'm like, oh shit, and then I'll like because I'm thinking fast and I'll write it, yeah. and I'll slow down and start printing. But yeah, that's what I I, th- I thought so. Very interesting. Yeah. No. All right. Well, we went from we went from from one jinx to a curse in cursive. How about that? Uh-huh. Like that? <laughs> we got jokes, folks. There we go. Well, I didn't notice it. Sorry. All right. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to add? Anything? No, I better remember that joke. Yeah, that's Bueller. good. That was a good joke. All right. Um, subscribe and like us on Facebook. Um, actually, you know what? Uh, maybe, maybe this week I'll try to post it on Facebook. I'll, I'll write myself a little note in cursive <laughs> to post it on Facebook. Uh, maybe, actually, let's let's back it up. What do you do for your to do? Do you? What do you do about a to-do list? Like, do you, are you just a mental guy? Oh God, no! I'm a list maker. So it's 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 a list. Sticky notes or like? Uh, no, one big legal pad for work stuff. 
Okay. And then the daily the daily stuff for work is on actually on a reporter's notebook, like the little thin thing. And then the grocery list is on my phone. Like so like there's three different lists. Like the grocery list is on my notes on my phone. I use uh I use something called Todoist and it's a it's an app and it's great. I remember you said that, yeah. I looked at it and I figured it would just be one more list that I was keeping. Yeah. So yeah. Um all right. Anyways. Uh you can email the show at stuff says podcast at gmail dot com, uh, with some feedback. My hand, Twitter handle in non-cursive writing is at Stuff Summer Says. Your Twitter handle is? At Steve Samsel. Again, not in cursive writing. Not in so. cursive. All right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add about this here podcast. Nope. All right. Cool. I'm done. See Goodbye. Ya.